First Words, a podcast presented by the First United Methodist Church of Florence. Today's message is brought to you by Senior Pastor Reverend Dale Cohen. We live in a world in constant need of repair. Appliances wear out, roofs leak, foundations crack, and drains get clogged. Not only does our stuff break down, but even our relationships falter with neglect. Not to mention our bodies, as we age, seem to fall apart every day. We invest a lot of time, money, and energy in fixing broken things. James Clear says that everything disintegrates from ordered to disordered in the natural world. From molecules to machines, everything descends into disrepair. Sand castles that we may spend hours building on the beach are washed away in minutes. Weeds overtake gardens seemingly overnight. Even mountains erode and their sharp peaks are rounded over through millions of years. The inevitable trend is that order gives way to disorder. Scientists refer to this as the second law of thermodynamics. But I wonder, is it possible that human sin set this law of impending decay in motion with the disobedience of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? Is it not possible that creation existed with a sense of coherence that was dismantled by human nature's desire to control things and manipulate things, forcing things to move in our way. Maybe this is what Paul was describing in Romans when he said this, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from its enslavement to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Paul here is saying that the natural world needs us to nurture it so that over time it becomes more and more suitable as the kingdom of God. And apart from us investing energy and time and interest in the world, we delay the kingdom of God and its coming. The world continues to fall apart. While it's true in the world of objects and organisms, it's also true in the spiritual realm. Often we find ourselves floundering in our relationship with God because we neglect the disciplines that are designed to keep us connected to God. Our spirits crumble And we may even question whether God is really a good God and whether God loves us. Until we counteract the spiritual entropy, the spiritual decay created by neglecting our relationship with God, we'll never find the vibrant spiritual life that we need to maintain that vibrant, vital life in God's Spirit. There are three ways, I think, that we can order our lives that Paul helps us to see in our passage for today. First of all, we must humbly foster 
an awareness of our sinful nature. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, taught that as human beings, we are sinful. And apart from God's grace, we're incapable of achieving righteousness on our own. While we're never beyond redemption, we must come to terms with how our human nature continually pulls us away from God and back toward our sinful desires. Paul, in our reading for today, said, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once knew Christ according to the flesh, we no longer know Him in that way. Now, in the translation that Lindsay read from, which is a translation that I almost always use, it reads, from now on, we regard no one from a human point of view. However, when we go back to the original language, the phrase, according to the flesh, is a more literal translation of Paul's writing. And he speaks of the flesh as a power that is opposed to God's Holy Spirit. Now, it's important to make this distinction. It's not that our flesh is bad or evil. Remember, we were created in the image of God. But also, Paul says that we once regarded Jesus in the flesh. So it's not that flesh is bad. The problem is it's a medium that can draw us to God, or it's a medium, our bodies are a medium that can pull us away from God as we give in to our sensual desires. So, Jesus could bear the weight of His humanity, His flesh, and He could keep from sinning because of His intimate connection with God, which is a hint for us as well as to how if we're struggling with sin in our lives, we work on the connection with God rather than beating ourselves up over the bad things we've done. We constantly struggle between the joy of pleasing God and the appeal of satisfying our physical and emotional desires. When Paul says there that he sees no one according to the flesh, he's acknowledging how his new life in Jesus Christ has given him a new perspective, a new perspective that allows him to see others through the lens of grace. And again, in our reading in verse 18, he said, all this is from God. Paul says, I can't, I can't see others with grace apart from what God is doing in my life. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In the same way that God grants us forgiveness and grace, that ministry of reconciliation has now fallen upon our shoulders where we work toward reconciliation and grace with others with whom we're in relationship. Paul's own sinfulness and his need for God's grace led to an awareness that allows him to look at others with the same amount of grace that he feels God has placed on him. One of the most significant barriers to our intimate connection with God is an unwillingness to acknowledge that we're not as good as we try to make people think we are. If we want to repair our relationship with God, we must humbly come to terms 
with our brokenness. But beyond that, we also need to receive the forgiveness that is ours through Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion. And if you're visiting with us, I want you to know that when we open the table and invite you to come forward, that you are welcome to come. You don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be a member of any church because, as Lindsay read in the invitation, Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him. So the invitation to come is extended by Jesus Christ himself. He wants you to be here. Unfortunately, throughout my ministry, I've encountered people who refuse to take communion because they've decided they're not good enough. And my heart breaks every time I hear them say that because it's not our goodness that grants us access to this table. We're not good enough. It is the goodness of Jesus Christ. It is His goodness that gives us access to this table. Jesus is the one that extends that invitation. And it's His goodness that allows us to receive the bread and the juice. Those are His chosen symbols of God's love and grace. And Jesus wants us to come because He set the table for us. Paul in verse 19 said, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not counting our sins against us and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. Jesus doesn't count our sins. If you think you're not worthy to come to this table, you're right. But none of us are. So when we open the table and invite you to come forward, if you're like me because I recognize just what a great gift this is that I don't deserve, I want to run to receive this symbol of God's love and God's grace. But the opposite is equally as tragic. Some see themselves as superior to others in their ability to overcome sin. And so they approach the table as if they have no need of forgiveness. If that's you, I want to encourage you to pause before you come forward and just in a moment take stock of how much grace God has given to you and then move to the table. But after pausing to consider your sinfulness, you may need to go to someone else here and ask for forgiveness because you've written them off as unworthy. And that's not ours to determine. Again, because it is only the worthiness of Jesus Christ who invites all to his table that allows any of us to have access to this gift of God's grace. Finally, we need to trust God to restore our lives. There's not a person here who doesn't need for their life to be restored. We all do. Not because our lives are deflect, uh, defective or flawed, Remember, we were created in the image of God. But what happens is sin begins to take a toll on us and layers upon layers of hurt and anger and pride, they build up on us. 
And so we need to be able to break free from that with God's help. When I was in high school, I had a 1965 Chevy Impala, you know, the one with the three taillights on each side. I bought it to restore, and everybody thought I was crazy because it was in pretty rough shape. But I had a vision. I could see what that car could become. And when God looks at us, God doesn't see us as we are. God sees us as who we can become. That's God's way of looking with love and grace at our lives. God can masterfully restore us. According to Paul, he said, so if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Look, Everything has become new. All this, again, is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. Becoming a new creation means that we have a new lease on life. We have a fresh start. We have a renewed sense of purpose. We have replenished reserves of energy to begin to order our lives in a way that are pleasing to God as we receive the gift of God's grace. In art, bricolage is a creative process where the artist uses various leftover materials and broken objects to create beautiful masterpieces. A bricolure uses bricolage to create something beautiful out of brokenness. God is a master bricolure who takes the messes that we make and turns our lives into something beautiful. God is a God of infinite possibilities. Even though you may think that you've messed up your life too badly for God to be able to do anything with it, that's not true. God can fix anything if we allow Him. That's what we celebrate at this table today. Even though our nature leads us astray, God's forgiveness is available to us, and that's what this means. In receiving the bread and the juice, we celebrate the gift of God's grace given freely for all who desire to receive it. God rejects no one who calls upon His name. Our lives are restored by the one who created us, who knows us better than we know ourselves, who can take the scraps and broken pieces of our lives, mending them in a way that makes us even better. That's what we celebrate Thank you for listening to First Words. For more information about our services or how to get involved in our community, visit us at fumcflorence.org or facebook.com slash florencefumc.org.